Welcome to The Skin Reel, your guide to all things skincare, skin health, beauty, and more, curated by dermatologists and true skin experts. I'm your host, Dr. Mary Alice Mina. I'm a double board certified dermatologist and dermatologic surgeon with over a decade of clinical experience. If you're looking for real, practical, unhyped skincare guidance and expertise, or you just think the skin is really cool, then you're in the right spot. I'm so glad you've tuned in to The Skin Reel. Now let's dive in because this is how dermatologists talk skin. Hi everyone, quick disclaimer here before we start. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professional. If you're looking for help on your skin journey, please check out the American Academy of Dermatology's website, aad.org, where you can search their database for dermatologists near you. It is so important that you have someone in your corner who's well-trained, licensed, and board-certified who can help you make decisions when it comes to your skin health. Okay, got it? Great. Now for the fun stuff. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for joining me on this week's episode of The Skin Reel. I'm your host, Dr. Mina, and this week I am really excited to have my colleague, Dr. Lori Fissinger, here with me today to talk about dermoscopy. And for anyone who's ever been to a dermatologist recently, you have probably seen us whip out these little lights that we we use and we look at your skin really closely. And you might be wondering, what the heck is that? And Dr. Fissinger is going to go over all of that with us today. So I'm very excited to have her on. She is a native of Ohio and went to Case Western Reserve University for medical school followed by her dermatology training at the University of Minnesota. After her residency, she stayed on faculty for four years where she practiced dermatology and also was very involved in resident teaching, which also involved teaching dermoscopy to the residents. And then in 2022, she decided she'd had enough of the cold, I take it, and moved to Delray Beach, Florida, where she is now practicing in private practice. And she is also the host of an Instagram account where she shares these really cool dermoscopy images, as well as videos to help train not just residents, but all dermatologists and really anyone interested uh, can watch her videos. And I know I've been a fan for a while now. So Dr. Fissinger, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Dr. Mina. I'm so excited to talk about one of my favorite topics in dermatology. Well, sometimes these topics can be a little dry and you wonder how is this going to be interesting, but you really make this topic really fun and interesting. And I don't know about you, but I think I can speak for most dermatologists. We love when we see an image or a picture and we're like, ooh, what is it? Let's guess. Let's see. Let's learn. And uh, that's what makes your Instagram account really fun. But let's kind of step back and just Tell our listeners, what is dermoscopy? What is this? Dermoscopy is the use of a handheld device called a dermatoscope to examine skin lesions beyond what's at the skin surface level. Is it a a magnifying glass with a fancy name? It basically, it's a really simple device. There's a magnifier with it, usually 10x magnification and a light source. 
But we kind of use some of the principles of light's physics to kind of amplify what we see to go beyond the surface of the skin. Okay, very neat. And how did you first get interested in dermoscopy? During my residency, we had a great outside lecturer come in to teach us a little bit more. And just seeing that correlation between the clinical image, the histopathology, what it looked like underneath the dermatoscope, putting it all together was just so intriguing for me. I was hooked right away. I knew that this was what I wanted to do. Very neat. So you were in uh, Minnesota teaching the residents and how did it evolve to now I'm going to start an Instagram account and I'm going to start showing this to people to have a broader reach for dermatologists? Yeah, I never expected to be doing anything on social media. When the pandemic hit in 2020, it really changed the way that we were teaching. All of a sudden, we were all kind of locked down at home, and I really missed teaching the residents. Previously, we had done a lot of lecture format. They would be in clinic seeing patients with me. I'd be teaching them kind of on the job. And so I thought, you know, I can probably still teach the residents. Why don't I post some things on social media? And so my residents were engaged. They were looking at these unknown photos. They were tagging their friends at other residencies. And suddenly I realized that I could have a much broader reach, that I could reach lots of people that wanted to learn more about dermoscopy through social media. Yeah, that's great. And now you've got thousands of followers. And I know I look forward to my weekly image and uh, try to put together what I think it is. So it's a great way for all dermatologists to kind of stay on our toes and and make sure uh, we're keeping up to date with our dermoscopy for sure. Now, how and, and when do we use it as dermatologists? Is it, you know, do we always have to use it? Or are there just certain lesions that we look at with the dermatoscope? Dermoscopy can be used for a number of different things. Probably most published in the literature is pigmented lesions, but even non-pigmented things like basal cell carcinomas and squamous cell carcinomas, dermoscopy can help you to diagnose these earlier. You can use it to look at rashes. I find particularly for scabies, it's so helpful. You can see the little burrow underneath the magnifier and there's what's called the delta sign, which is a little triangle that just corresponds to where the scabies mite is. It's really changed my diagnostic accuracy for a number of different things. So does it replace other modalities that we might be using, like a biopsy or scrapings, or is this just sort of in addition? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. Sometimes it can replace biopsy, and that's when we see enough benign features that we're reassured that no biopsy is needed. That being said, a biopsy of a skin lesion is always going to be the gold standard to give us that confirmation of diagnosis, and it really depends on the comfort level of the clinician. Studies have shown that dermoscopy does improve clinician um, confidence in diagnosis, which is so important because when you're confident, your patients feel more confident, you're able to build that relationship that is so important. I have become so used to having dermoscopy as as an extra set of eyes or a, you know, magnification of what I'm looking at. And I know I've certainly had times where I thought something was malignant, but I whip out my little dermatoscope and I'm reassured that, nope, it's just a seborrheic keratosis or a a benign lesion um, and not a pigmented lesion like a melanoma. So I know, and, and, and the converse has been true too. So I almost sometimes feel looking at something with a blindfold on when I can't use my dermatoscope. 
Exactly. I felt the same way with the pandemic when we did more teledermatology. I would get this clinical photo of a lesion from a patient and be like, oh, I just wish I could put my dermatoscope on this. <laughs> now, now, if we could do that with pictures, that would be very cool. Oh, that'd be so nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When did uh, dermoscopy come about? Because I know the younger generations of dermatologists are getting a lot of training in residency. I didn't so much have formal training in my residency. And I know people ahead of me really have to seek it out if they want to incorporate dermoscopy into their practice. Uh, when did it really take off? Mm -hmm. It took off in Europe before the United States. It was the early to mid 2000s before people really started to trust dermoscopy. So anyone who did residency before that time or kind of around that time, it may not have been incorporated into training. Yeah. Do you find that most residents programs now are teaching dermoscopy? Is it pretty much sort of standard of care now? I think there's a lot of variability. It's so much easier when you're a resident and your mentors, the people that are teaching you feel comfortable with a technique. But if your mentors aren't comfortable with it, there's just no way you're going to be comfortable with it either without seeking out additional training. Right. Well, and again, that's why your things like your uh, Instagram account can be really helpful for someone looking to to boost their skills using a, a, a dermatoscope or doing dermoscopy. So what do you, let's see, you mentioned you use this for inflammatory lesions or, or things like scabies. Are there other skin conditions that you use dermoscopy for? I can't say I'm an expert, but it definitely can be used in hair loss to help with diagnosis as well. It's called trichoscopy in that case. You can really get a lot of information. And do you use the same light that you use on the rest of the body? Mm -hmm. Yep. Same handheld device. Okay. Very cool. And I know sometimes people will use a dermatoscope that actually touches the skin or they have to get oil out. What's the difference with that? For this, you're going to bear with me for a second. We're going to have to go back to <laughs> physics and a little bit of biology to kind of understand how a dermatoscope works. I'm going to try to simplify it as much as possible, but feel free to interrupt me at any point in time. So typically when we look at the skin surface, what we see are the light rays that are reflected off the surface and back to our eyes. The majority of the light rays are just bounced directly off the surface. And that's because the refractive index of skin is much higher than air. There's only a very small proportion of those light rays that actually go beyond the skin surface to underneath the skin. And because they're in such a minority, we get overwhelmed. Our eyes are only able to see the light rays that are bounced directly off the skin surface. So there's two different types of dermoscopy that work in different ways to kind of amplify so we can see underneath the skin. Non-polarized dermoscopy was the first to really become available on the handheld devices. With that, you do need direct contact with the skin surface and a liquid interface. Usually people use alcohol or ultrasound gel for that liquid interface. And what happens is it changes that refractive index so that more light rays are able to go underneath the skin and then are magnified back to our eye. So with non-polarized dermoscopy, we're able to see to the level of the epidermis. Polarized dermoscopy came around later and it uses a filter to preferentially select out the light rays that have gone underneath the skin surface and reflect those back to our eye. With polarized dermoscopy, you don't need that interface. You don't have to have contact with the skin surface. And you actually can see all the way to the level of the dermis. 
Okay. And the epidermis is that very top, top layer of skin. And then the dermis is the second layer, which is a little bit deeper and under it. And depending on which part of the body you're looking at, that it, it's variable how thick or how thin the epidermis and dermis are. So, well, good. Well, I think you did a great job explaining that for us uh, non-physics experts out there. Now, I also use a light like this. Is this a dermatoscope? Those are just magnifiers as far as I know with a light source, which is still good. I yeah. use my dermatoscope kind of similarly as a light kind of to see where the yes. moles are. And then I zoom in on those with the with the dermatoscope then. Okay. I'm glad I'm not the only one because half the time this is really just a light for me. Yes. <laughs> just waving it around. <laughs> well, I'm glad to know I'm not the only one. All right. Well, and then and then I whip out the little one when I really want to look closely at individual things. Absolutely. What advice would you give to someone who is wanting to learn dermoscopy, a dermatologist, presumably, but is wanting to learn dermoscopy? What sort of steps should they take? Yeah, there are so many different resources out there. I don't know if there's necessarily one best way to learn, but rather kind of a combination of approaches. I personally love reading textbooks. I know not everybody is in that. But it's helpful kind of to read the text, understand what's going on, and then see dermoscopy pictures. Probably the most popular textbook that's out there is Dr. Margoob's Atlas of Dermoscopy. He's kind of considered the godfather of dermoscopy within the United States. Outside of that, conferences can be really helpful for anyone going to the American Academy of Dermatology. There are always lectures that are geared towards dermoscopy and often a half-day course that you can take. There's also two other meetings that I wanted to mention. One is the American Dermoscopy Meeting. This happens every summer. They go somewhere that's near a national park. It's scheduled in July of this year in Vermont. And then there's another meeting that Mayo puts on, typically in the winter months, usually in December. It's been in both Arizona and California the last few years, but those are both really excellent, just dedicated to dermoscopy, great for a beginner. Wonderful. And where do you see dermoscopy going? Do you see this technique really just becoming mainstay, similar to a biopsy or a culture that we do? Absolutely. I think that most dermatologists are going to adapt to dermoscopy within the next decade. Um, I think it's going to be a game changer for more things than pigmented lesions and skin cancers. I see more and more publications on inflammatory skin disease every day. People are picking up on these really subtle features that a dermatoscope can help find and help you to diagnose. So while it probably will never 100% replace biopsy, of course, we need to confirm diagnosis of skin cancers. And sometimes it's not 100% for determining a diagnosis. It's so helpful. Yeah. And I'm a, a derm surgeon, so I, I have no problem cutting things out, but patients get fatigued from tons of biopsies, you know, maybe one biopsy every every now and then is not so bad. But, you know, if you're going in and, and you're having four or five things cut off you, I mean, yes, they're small, but if that's happening every time you go in and see your dermatologist, you're not really going to want to keep going back and seeing them. So if we can use these light sources to accurately diagnose things without the need of always doing a biopsy, I think that's really awesome for patients. And I would be all for that as a patient myself too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I always think of those needle phobic patients and studies have shown that dermoscopy, as long as you're trained on it, can reduce unnecessary biopsies. So I think less biopsies, as long as we're not missing the big things is going to be better for both clinicians and patients alike. 
Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Certain things, if you're worried about a melanoma or a skin cancer, you absolutely have to biopsy that, but it can be helpful in reassuring you that, oh, nope, it looks scary from afar, but once I look closely, it actually does not have those worrisome features and it can, it can stay. Where do you see your, your um, Instagram account where you teach dermoscopy? Where do you see that going in the next several years? I would love to have my own course that I could do on dermoscopy someday, hopefully also through virtual media because we're all just so busy. It's so hard to go to conferences. But for now, I just love that it's kind of this informal, non-judgmental place where you can make guesses, ask me questions. Nobody's going to judge a wrong answer at all. I always say it just adds a little bit of education to your scrolling that we all do anyway. (laughs) That's right. Then you don't feel so bad about sitting there for 30 minutes. You actually learn something. (laughs) Yes, I will. I definitely enjoy looking through it. And I know I learn a lot. And I think our listeners are definitely learning a lot today. Speaking of your Instagram account, where can our viewers uh, find you if they want to learn more about dermoscopy or uh, where you're practicing? Yeah, my Instagram is my most active for sure. That's under Dr. Dermoscopy. Otherwise, if a patient wants to see me in person, I'm at Hacker Dermatology in Delray Beach, Florida. Wonderful. And do you have any last minute pearls or thoughts on dermoscopy you want to send us out with? Just one tip for anyone starting off, it can be really overwhelming. You're learning a new technique with all new terminology. But I think the thing that I did that was most helpful was that I started to take photographs of everything that I would biopsy. And then when the pathology report would come back, I would look at that photo again and just take a second to be like, oh, I thought this was a basal cell carcinoma and it ended up being a squamous cell carcinoma. What can I learn from this photograph? We are such visual learners and we care so much about our patients that it just helps to learn by learning on our own patients. Yeah, Taking photographs is not easy. There's equipment that can help attach your cell phone to your dermatoscope to get better photos. It does take a little bit of trial and error before you're getting really good photos, which I know we're all rushed in clinics. So adding time to those exams can sometimes be a little bit painful in the beginning. But that was really the thing that helped me learn the most early on in my career. That's great advice. I know I am such a visual learner. I really just need to see that and being able to look back and say, okay, this was a basal cell. This was a melanoma. This was a seborrheic keratosis. And then look back at the features that you see. Um, That can be a wonderful way to learn. So that is really great advice for those looking to enhance their dermoscopy skills And for all of you listening who are not dermatologists, now you actually know what we're doing when we pull out those little lights uh, that look kind of funny, but um, they are actually really helping us accurately diagnose what's going on in your skin. So it is a really cool technique, something I am definitely have to use. I always have to have my little lights with me. And I'm so glad that people like you, Dr. Fissinger, are out there teaching us. So thank you so much. Thanks so much for having me today, Dr. Mina. All right. We'll see you all next week. Take care. Thank you so much for listening to The Skin Reel. I hope it's been informative, educational, and perhaps a little entertaining. If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to like and subscribe and share with a friend. Don't want to stop your learning just yet? Head on over to theskinreel.com for show notes, 
blog post, and so much more. Until next time, skin friends. 